What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. And we asked one of our favorite guests to come back and talk to us after how South Carolina did what seemed, if we're being entirely honest, impossible late in the season. Um, From the Spurs Up show, Chris Phillips, how are you feeling after what happened over the last few weeks? John, Wes, I appreciate y'all having me on, and I would agree with you, man. It uh, it certainly was not the finish of the season I expected, especially after the way things went in Gainesville. I, I think I very well notably went on record and said that Tennessee was going to kick the you-know-what out of South Carolina in that game at Willie B, and I was there in person, and I could not believe what I witnessed. And then, of course, uh, what happened last weekend, if you will, or some eight days ago, whatever, Um uh, up at Clem sucks. I mean, that was just an incredible game. And to finish eight and four and what they did and the way the offense exploded, right? That was the big surprise. But I think Gamecock Nation guys is is feeling about as giddy as you could uh you could <laughs> ask, man. I think they're about as giddy as you could expect, you know, with again just the way that season finished up and and uh you know the the manner in which it did so, right? Back to back top ten wins, first time ever in school history. So a uh, lot of happy gamecocks around here and and uh, everybody ready for the Gator Bowl against Notre Dame. Yeah, I should mean, so we'll, a good one. Go ahead. Go ahead, Wes. And that game should be a good one. I was looking at all, like, the lineups for, like, the SEC bowl games, and they all look to be really good this year. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, you know, dove into, like, Notre Dame or anything. I, and I'll be honest, the only time I watched them this season was uh, when they played Clemson. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm expecting a good game as well. I know their starting quarterback, I believe, opted out. And we'll see kind of how yeah. the, the transfer portals and the, the opt-outs and stuff like that, the draft affects that game. But, no, I'm expecting a great game also. We'll be down in Jacksonville probably for the week. Uh, definitely got some exciting things lined up in regards to content and stuff like that. But I mean, I think anytime more, you know, more importantly, anytime you're playing a national brand like a Notre Dame and you're South Carolina and you have the opportunity to to go toe to toe with them and potentially beat them, I and mean, it's great for your program, right? And anybody that says that bowl games don't matter, number one, I would say, you know, in the history of South Carolina football, winning a bowl game is still a big deal. You've only got single digit bowl victories right now. You can get your tenth bowl win. That would be a big deal. And then also to anybody else, I would just say look at last year when the Gamecocks played in a quote-unquote meaningless bowl game against UNC. Uh, they won that game, and then the offseason momentum that we saw and the hype and all that, it was absolutely crazy. So, you know, Steve Spurrier used to put it best that when you win your last game, everything's better from spring ball to workouts to fall camp. So it's a big deal, and again, especially if you can – if you can take down a national brand like a Notre Dame, and again, I, I just think the the positive impact that can have for Shane Beamer and recruiting and for the program as he continues to build, I, I don't think you can overstate what that would mean for them. But I'm expecting a great game, like you mentioned. Yeah. So we'll we'll come back to the bowl stuff here in a minute, but uh, going back to the end of the season, what happened? What like what gave South Carolina the sudden ability to just sucker punch Tennessee and Clemson? Yeah, you know it's interesting. You look back at that Florida game, a game in which you scored zero offensive points. You lose thirty-eight to six. Your only points come from a special teams trick play, if you will, Beamer ball to the freaking moon. But uh, <laughs> offense gets shut out, and I think at that moment, you know, looking back, I, I think that was a moment that forced. Everyone in that building, including Shane Beamer, to take a hard look in the mirror and, and really reevaluate and say, am I doing everything I possibly can for the University of South Carolina? Am I putting my best foot forward? Are we putting our playmakers in the best possible position to make plays and be successful? And I think, obviously, where you saw the biggest change is on the offensive side. Um, and I know Shane Beamer went on record and said, yes, Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, was calling every single play. And I'm not calling Shane Beamer a fibber, but as you guys know, <laughs> coach, coach speak is a thing, right, in press yeah. conferences. You kind of just say what you have to say. And I believe if you really, truly believe that 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 Marcus Satterfield was calling every single play, and he is the sole reason, he is the the mad scientist between the final – or, you know, behind the final two weeks of the season – I've got some oceanfront property in Omaha, Nebraska. I'd love to sell you because there's just no way. I mean, there's just no way. There, there, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Marcus Satterfield. I tip my cap to him because he obviously, whether it was he had 1% involvement, 50%, 99%, he had some involvement in the final two weeks. But there was obviously an overhaul offensively. They did something different. Now, also on the field, Spencer Rattler played his best football. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Spencer Rattler against Tennessee would have beaten anybody. I, he was that good. The six touchdown game night, um, 
set the school record, you know, for individual game touchdown passes, 438 yards passing in that one. I mean, he was absolutely electric. And then, you know, after a rough start against the rival, you know, had the had the pick six, had the red zone INT. Uh, the way he responded and battled back and, and the way he played ended up in that game was just absolutely phenomenal as well. So, you know, when your quarterback is as on as Spencer Rattler was, uh, and again, you you make the focus going down the field, stretching the field, getting the ball to your playmakers, a lot of good things can happen. And I think this offense just finally, finally lived up to the potential. You know, we all felt like all season it was capable of doing that, right? Yeah. Um, you just finally lived up to it. So, you know, I, I I think they retooled some things. I think maybe some of the voices changed in that room. Um, I think some of the voices in regards to the the input they were getting on the offensive side, I think that was that was a little differing as well. And it led to those results. I mean, again, it, it's solely on the offensive side. I mean, the, 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 the team as a whole played well, but without the offensive explosion, the final two weeks wouldn't happen. So, listen, I was as baffled as you guys, if not even more baffled. And, uh, I mean, just, just, a, just a magical finish to the season. Nobody around these parks will forget anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it was so bad that DJ Uwalungalale went into the transfer portal. So indeed, indeed he did. He got benched in back to back games, yeah. and then and the rumor is he's going to Florida after uh, AR fifteen is going to the draft. That that would be wild, and you know, I and I will say too, I, I know I just talked about the offense, but definitely in that Clemson game, especially give the defense credit. I mean, the way oh, they yeah. bow, the way they bowed up in the second half, I think the stat was four of five or five of six offensive drives for the Tigers in the second half went for 25 yards or less. I mean, they held DJU to 99 yards passing. I mean, just, just absolutely phenomenal. So um, again, back-to-back wins over top 10 teams. And you, you really just got to tip your cap and credit Shane Beamer and that entire coaching staff for, because I mean, after the Florida game, guys, it, it could have easily just gone off the rails and, and uh, guys hanging their head and kind of, you know, mailing in the season. Heck I was, you know, I, I didn't think the Gamecocks would win another game. Um, and and so what we saw against Tennessee was absolutely shocking. And, you know, I, I did pick the win over over Clemson. But, again, to actually just see it play out was was incredible. And uh, the, the amount of momentum, it's, it's so wild, guys. I just a couple of weeks. That's why we love college football so much. It's such a week-to-week game because in just a couple of weeks, South Carolina goes from, from dead in the water to one of the hottest teams in the country. I, it's just yeah. crazy how that happened. And I, I think I told you, I went to that game in Gainesville and I I literally left that game and I said, I never thought I would say these words out loud, but I feel bad for Spencer Rattler because he was hitting guys in the hands and they weren't catching it. Yeah. And there would be wide open holes and the running back would just run into the offensive line. And that one wild interception where they were at like their own 20 where he threw it, hit the dude in the hands. He had some space and then just coughed it up. That was yeah, – yeah. that like that made me sad. And obviously I'm not even a South Carolina fan. Yeah. No, I mean it, it was – you know, I, I and I will say this. I, I – I, and I made a clip about it last week, but I think what's not talked about enough is, you know, all I heard about Spencer Rattler from whether it be rival fans, Gamecock fans, college football people, whatever, was – you know, Spencer Rattler's got a terrible attitude. He's a horrible teammate. He's this, he's that, he's selfish. You know, look at Oklahoma. Look at this QB1 documentary that's like five years old. Like, who gives a shit, but whatever. But that's all I heard all, all, all summer, all preseason. And Spencer Rattler, in the midst of a year where he would have been justified to have been frustrated, he would have been justified to be throwing his helmet on the sideline and hanging his head and be pissed off. You didn't hear a peep out of him. That, that at no point was a talking point. That was at no point a talking point for me. No point a talking point for any of us. And he finishes the season the way he did. So I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for, for holding it together, for being a great leader, for being resilient. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad he did because, again, it led to, you know, one of the most memorable finishes in Gamecocks football history and two of the most memorable wins that we've had, again, around here in a long time. And a joke off of that. Did Spencer Rattler make a deal with the devil, or did he like go get an exorcism and get some demons out? I, I don't know that's... if they, yeah, I don't know if they sacrificed an animal or the, uh, they, 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 they broke the chicken curse. I don't know what happened, but something. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know. I, I really, you know, just. Uh, I, I think he just finally played free, played loose, and lived up to the potential. But maybe there was some some pregame festivities or some pregame antics going on that I'm not familiar with. We're not familiar with, but. Uh, 
you know, I, I'm all, listen, I'm all for it. You know, when the Cubs blew up the baseball or whatever, or like, like, I'm like, Hey, if we need to exercise the demons from the chicken curse, I'm all game, whatever we got to do, whatever we got to do, I'm, I'm game to, to figure it out. So as long as they're not uh smoking weed in the locker room before the game, Jesus like a and Christ, dude, yeah, that's, that's a mess. They are a mess. I want to know what it took for them to get the smell of weed out of the visitor locker room. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. That's 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 Jimbo's that stuff, problem, I guess. I, don't I, know. I mean, that stuff sticks to a rug, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's it's. I mean, it, it, and you just look back, man, and I and I think about that game, and obviously that's a funny side note of that one, but just a crazy season, man. I mean, we're we're spending you know this week looking back on the season that was, and and it's wild because I picked eight and four over the summer for game football, but the way they got there, I just. I mean, I, I was after the Florida game, I was ready to label this season like a D plus type year. You know, felt like everything and underachieved, like not, you know, especially on the offensive side. I mean, that was the big thing was the offense. And again, it's just wild how two games get two games can salvage it, you know, and two games yeah. can can kind of save your season from what it was gonna be. You know what I mean? So um and heck, there's I've talked to plenty of people that they, that they think the Gamecocks left a lot of games out there. I mean, you look at who they lost to. Obviously, there's Georgia. That one's that one's understandable. But you lost to three six and six teams in Arkansas, Mizzou, and Florida. I mean, it's it's crazy. You think who you lost to? So, yeah, I, I don't know. So, what was better in your in your opinion? Running out of fireworks against Tennessee because of the amount of touchdowns scored, <laughs> or South Carolina fans rushing Clemson's field after that game. <laughs> wow, I, I dude, I, I got to go with the rushing the field. It, yeah, it sucks, bro. That's that's. I mean, it's cool. I, I, I as cool as the running out of fireworks was. It's funny because I was there, right? I didn't notice it in real time. I, I wasn't even thinking about it. I think I was just so on cloud nine it wasn't something that really registered so it was it was funnier after the fact um for the clemson game i did not go to that when we threw a watch party in columbia but seeing that live like as it was happening our fans on their field and the and the block c flag being waved at the 50 like i just that was incredible but, but i will say if i had to give c a different answer um and you probably can see it right right here that's a piece of williams bryce stadium that's a piece of the uh the shrubs from the end zone rushing the field after and i got to rush the field after the tennessee game i mean that was incredible i mean because that's just one of those things man that you think yeah. about it's like it's like when will we rush the field again like, like i i was i was like i have to go down there because i don't know if i'll ever get to do this again you know what i mean <laughs> Not, because i mean when you think about what has to line up in regards to <clears throat> it's got to be a scenario where you pull a big upset, you're able to rush the field, right? So it just, I mean, that was that was a, a magical night, a, a truly a magical night. But, oh, for sure, out of the one, the two you mentioned, definitely rushing Clemson's field would would, would, <laughs> would that one. That, that was, yeah, I mean, that's that's the, you know, they have the meet me at the Paul thing, and it, it's that kind of backfires when you lose. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take it. That was a good time. Yeah, I've never understood the whole Mimi at the Paul thing, but hey, that's probably a discussion for another day. And their fans were out there too. It was very strange. Very strange. <laughs> some of their some of their fans were out there. I, I don't know, but uh nah, that's you know, it, th there was a part of me inside of me. And again, I, I want to shout out our our business partners, Carolina Alehouse, with that who we did the watch parties with. But I will say there was there was a part of me inside that was like, God, I would I would have loved to have been out there, but no, knowing all the all the shit I talked during rivalry week, I, I was like, it's probably better I'm not up there because <laughs> there's probably a few tigers that would like to take a swing at me if they saw me in person. But you know, it is what it is. So, well, so what's I funny is I was at the Georgia Tennessee mm -hmm. game. Like I said, I've I've got season tickets, so we go to most of them. And mm -hmm. Georgia had they hired extra security personnel that were arm in arm around the hedges so the field did not get rushed after the Tennessee game. Jeez. I mean if you're if you're Georgia though, why would you rush the field yeah, that, after beating yeah. Tennessee in a game you're so, favored to win? I took the same thing. So like the reason <laughs> my explanation and why I wanted to is because you know it would just further the beat down into the media and social media realm where Tennessee fans would see it on ESPN every day for a week and it would get posted True. every day. Yeah. And Tennessee yeah. fans are the worst. So yeah. anything that brings them emotional damage. 
You know, you know what's one of the biggest upsets? It's a total side note, but speaking of like Tennessee and their fans and stuff, you know what's one of like the the biggest upsets of the season is the fact that and I just never I I'm still kind of I appreciate the guys and they're super cool and but I was I'm still kind of like surprised it happened. I went on a Tennessee show and a Clemson show the weeks following South Carolina's wins over those teams. That's got to be like one of the biggest – that's got to be one of the biggest upsets of the season. Like, (laughs) it just makes no sense. I mean, I those guys are awesome, by the way. It's a stadium. Stadium is one, I I believe. Or no, channel, channel, excuse me. It's it's kind of a random name. Yeah, Channel Tennessee, that's one. Uh, Yeah, shout out those guys. Got 19,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, Really, really cool. Talk ball, whatever, all that good stuff. And then – Nachos and Analysis, a Clemson podcast. But, like, they both I, – I just – I was like, this is not what you expect. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't expect this. But had good conversations with both. But uh, – so maybe one day I'll get to come on the Nothing Finer podcast after Counter gets a dub. <laughs> I'm trying to go I, on I am not – I am not emotionally mature no, for that conversation. I, that's what I was saying. I was like – I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty emotionally mature. But, like, the – like, I can't fathom – Carolina loses to Clemson. I'm like, let me go. Let me go seek out a Clemson. Person. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, I would no. rather not. I'd rather no. not do no. that. Mm-mm. Bless them. I mean, I appreciate it. Bless. I just, you know, whatever. Yeah. No. And those, I, ten- and those Tennessee fans, those Tennessee guys, again, awesome dudes. You know, they stopped by our tailgate, and they, they, and I, they were super confident. I, I think the Tennessee fans actually like me because, I mean, I said all week they were going to kick our ass. So like, I think they all really liked me, and and the dude. Came by the tailgate and he was super cool. But I went on their podcast on that that Wednesday or something. I mean, dude, they were so dejected. I mean, just so. And I mean, I can't blame them. They're, they're literally yeah. in the playoff if they beat South Carolina. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I know that brings a smile to y'all's face that they're they're sitting out. So and Alabama, so you gotta love that. You gotta love that. Alabama and then. Uh... Saban's already made comments about there's players that are probably going to sit out to protect their value. And you know, Kansas State's going to throw the empty the bag trying to beat oh, Bama. Yeah. So I would oh, love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Bama's got nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, they, 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 they lost. Even, yeah. I mean, they lost. And even when they won, they look bad doing it. So I yeah. just, you know, anyways, yeah. that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we've, we've spent the last week um, intentionally triggering. Bama, Tennessee, and Ohio State fans. Love that. And it's only going to get worse. It, it's only going to get worse. I made this whole graphic about teams that should make the playoff over Ohio State, and it was Utah, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Florida State. Vanderbilt, <laughs> Vanderbilt had two SEC wins. Love it. At, Vanderbilt beat a ranked opponent this season. That's the same number as uh, as Ohio State. Wow. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. You have a case then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the whole thing about South Carolina is if they can keep playing like this, nobody in the country wants to play that team. What? Yeah. I mean, when you got a quarterback like Spencer Rattler, man, that can make all the throws and make all the plays, and you got a receiver like Antoine Wells Jr. that, you know, finished the season the way he did. I mean, it's, it's, and that's why now we, we all sit anxiously awaiting to see what the, uh, what the decision is moving forward for Rattler, right? Is he going to be a guy that decides to return or test the draft? And I know we all just saw Anthony Richardson. He is gone. So, I, you know, I don't know. I I, I tell you, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I, I've kind of gone back and forth on it. I'm, I'm 50-50, guys. I have no idea what Rattler's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a quarterback-heavy draft, man. I, I, I yeah. really think he'd probably do himself a favor by coming back. But we'll see. We'll see. Do you- Especially. Go ahead, Wes. Especially like you were saying last season, like the momentum that y'all had going into the off season, the momentum going into this season is obviously way higher. Especially if y'all can win the the bowl game, and then the first day of the portal, over five hundred people put their names in. So you never know what you're going to get out of the portal. Yeah. So like, yeah. like you said, it would definitely be best. I feel like for him to come back. Yeah, I mean, I you know I I tend to think so as well. Um, and, and I think, you know, obviously they're, they're amidst the search or they're in a search for an offensive coordinator. So I think who they hire at that spot could also play a big factor. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of smoke around a name like Dan Mullen, which I know sounds absolutely crazy, but who knows? I mean, quarterback whisperer type deal. 
Uh, you know, you also have some others like Kendall Bryles, Garrett Riley, Phil Longo, and then there's, you know, the list continues. So, you know, maybe maybe with the new OC, maybe it's an opportunity for both those guys to, to have a big year and, and uh, yeah, get Rattler back in Columbia. I know we'd all love to see it. What's the fan consensus on if – because I know – I mean, I talked to some South Carolina fans before that Tennessee game, and a lot of people were like, you know – we appreciate him, but, you know, we kind of hope he moves on so we can kind of go another direction. So, I mean, obviously the last few weeks of the season changed some perspectives, but, it like, what's, what's kind of the general fan consensus on that? In regards to if they think he'll leave or if they want him to leave? If they want him to leave. Oh, no, I, I think now everybody wants him back, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for sure, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, would you – I, because I think people see how the way he finished the season, and they think if you run it back, and you know what could what could next year provide? I mean, just uh, you know, with, with um, you know, you still should have some weapons on the outside, some guys that can make plays for you, and you know, I, I think the big loss will be Juice Wells. I think he's probably gone. God, if he were to return, I mean, my goodness, you you were looking at one of the best tandems in the SEC, and um, you know, again, I think the last two weeks show that if you put him in a good offensive scheme and a good offensive system and take the handcuffs off and just let him go ball out, good things are going to happen. So, um, you know, I, I no, I think the consensus definitely is, yeah, yeah. is this, this fan base wants him back. So what I, I, I'm going to sound stupid here, is Jaheim Bell, go? is he even draft eligible? He is draft eligible, and it's it's up in the air. I think he probably comes back, but um, you know, it's he's like a lot of these guys, right? Where like when you're in the middle, you really need to make sure you've got quality people around you that really have your best interest in mind, because you know if you get some bad advice, some bad information, that's when we see guys right that that take it and they go to the draft and they're, they're drafted late or God forbid, they're even undrafted free agents. And from the, you know, at that point it's like, well, I mean, there's not much you can really do. You can't come back. So um, I, I think it would serve Jaheim Bell too. I mean, I, I just, you know, you look at his numbers and he was severely underutilized. I mean, it just it was criminal what Marcus Satterfield did with him. But uh, I, I think he'd benefit from another year. I, I you know, I, I don't really know with Bell, like what the rush would be. You know what I mean? I, I, I just, you know, he he played sparingly last year. I mean, he had that big game in the Mayo Bowl. This year he gets underutilized. I, I think he needs another year. That's just my opinion. I, I think he could use another year. Uh, he could, I think, drastically improve his draft stock if he came back. So uh, I tend to think he'll be back. But, again, he's like many others that will have a big decision upcoming. Yeah. So – Regardless of the record, was this where does this rank in the biggest, most important seasons of the last 20 years with beating AM the first time? And then, like you said, beating back to back top 10 teams for the first time in program history. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, I'll, I'll say this I wouldn't put it like ahead of, you know, 2010, you win the SEC East, you know, 11, 12, 13, you win 11 games, do that three years in a row. So I think those, obviously, I mean, that's that's the golden era at this point of Gamecock football. But outside of that, it's up there. I mean, it really is. Because um, you even look, and there's been some Gamecock fans that are kind of – they have PTSD, right? They're kind of comparing year two of Muschamp to year two of Beamer. But it, it's so much different with the way you finished and you beat the rival and back-to-back top ten wins. And right. you know, I, th I think back to the early Spurrier years of um, – you know, 2006, winning the Liberty Bowl, and and that was a and you beat the rival, very similar type of game. That was a big deal, but uh, you know, certainly it's up there. I mean, again, I behind 10 through 13 of the Spurrier years, I think it's definitely up there with one of the biggest seasons. And you know, like you mentioned, you accomplished so much with you know, you get the monkey off your back in Lexington, Kentucky, win there for the first time since 2012. Uh, you you, you beat Texas A&M for the first time in school history. You know, you, you snap a three-game losing streak to Tennessee. You snap a you, you snap a seven-game losing streak to Clem Sucks. So I mean, it, it, a lot of good came from the season, even if it was a bit ugly at times, which it was ugly for about ninety percent of the year. It really was. Um, but even if it was ugly at times, the bottom line is this: you found ways to win. And uh, you know, I, I I will stand by what I said even before the Tennessee and the Clemson games that um, Shane Beamer's tenure. I think at this point, guys, almost even more so. You know, I don't think it's like if you're not winning an SEC title by year five, you're out. But I think fans, he, he's just got to get the offense going. I mean, he just has to. I just I, his tenure, I think, will be completely judged off. Could he get the offense going? 
Because even if you're going seven and five, eight and four, like if you're if you're winning ugly, like nobody wants to win ugly. No, nobody does. Nobody wants to win the way they were winning earlier in the year with special teams and 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 gritty defense and the offense just just kind of straggling along trying to keep up. So um, you know, winning is is the name of the game. Winning's important, but how you win, how you win and lose, that was something I talked about over the summer. And um, you know, until the final two weeks. You know, it was it was kind of a season you looked at and said, "Man, like, yeah, you're six and four, but I mean, who have you beaten? And when you've won, you look like complete trash." So, you know, and then when you've lost, you know, you look at Arkansas, you're down twenty-one to three in the first half. You look at Georgia, you got just killed. Stetson Bennett's taking oh, selfies with ten minutes to go. So, um, you know, it, it's it's how you win and lose is important. Again, as as the Beamer era progresses, I'll probably say a lot of the same thing going into next year. Like, hey, like. You need to make progress against these bigger teams. You need to look more competitive in games against, you know, Georgia and some of the some of the bigger teams, some of the some of the more elites, if you will. So, uh, but getting the offense going, I think, is is a huge piece of this puzzle. But certainly, man, I mean, a, a, a memorable season for sure. And again, that, it's just crazy. Like I said, how those final two games really just shaped the way we'll look at the twenty twenty two Gamecocks. So question that I didn't put in the outline, but it's just kind of popped in my head. What positions do you want Beamer to attack the with the most aggression in the pool? I, I would definitely say offensive line is one. Um, I think you're going to lose three of five starters. Uh, you're going to lose a lot of guys in regards to depth, too. Um, so I, offensive line for sure. I mean, that's an area they need to upgrade. You saw it many times this year. And I think that's when you look at Gamecocks football, you're always wanting to add more skill players, right? You're always wanting to add more talented athletes. But, you know, Kirby preaches it. They all preach it. It's a line of scrimmage game. If you win in the trenches, you're probably going to win, right? So that's where it starts. The more football changes, the more it stays the same in regards to if you win up front, if you can whoop the man in front of you, if you can move him where you want him to go, good things are going to happen for you. So I think they need to continue to upgrade there. They are recruiting that position really heavily offensively and defensively in the line of scrimmage. But I say if you can bring in a couple portal guys that can start immediately for you, I think that would serve you well in 2023. Uh, outside of that, I mean, definitely the skill position guys like wide receiver. I think you'd love to see a, a pick up a big-time wide receiver or two. Linebacker on the defensive side, that's a that's a deficiency position. I mean, I, I think Stone Blanton's got a bright future. But, uh, you know, you lose Sherrod Green. I, I believe Debo Williams is probably gone too. And you, you just, you, you're, you're just lacking at linebacker. I mean, you need to add a couple of guys. And you got some young guys coming in, but you don't just want it to be all purely freshmen, right? So, um, I, I think picking up somebody at linebacker is an absolute must. You know, if they could pick up another DB, you lose Cam Smith, you're going to lose Darius Rush. You're going to be replacing a lot in that secondary um, but outside of that, man, I mean, I, you know, that, those are my top priorities, but I mean, I, I think Shane has shown anybody that can help their football team that they're, they're going to, they're going to go out and attack them. So, but I, I would say those positions I mentioned would be certainly the areas of focus. Um, and depending, I think also on what, uh, what a guy like Marshawn Lloyd does, maybe you look at the portal for, uh, for the, at the running back position. All right. So do you have. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with the season before we move on to talking about the bowl game a little bit? Um, I, I would just say final touches on the season. It's again, it's looking back on it, what a just wild season it was. I mean, it's just um off I, I you know, and I was I was thinking about this. We on our Monday podcast, I I, I do a postseason award show, you know, and I, I like to highlight people that had great years and I, I was thinking about what was the biggest surprise of the season. And obviously I mentioned the final two games. I tell you for 10 games, it was baffling how bad the Gamecocks offense was. I mean, it really, really was. When you think about all they added from the portal with Spencer Rattler and Antoine Wells and Christian Beal Smith. And you just, I mean, it took so long to see anything out of them. And, um, you know, I will say this, I, SEC football fans are like bad doctors, right? They have no patience. I mean, it's just it, it, there's none. So, and I kept preaching, it's year two of Shane Beamer. It's year two of Shane Beamer, and you know, be patient, give it time. But it's it's a win now type of game. But again, for for them to be able to navigate the way they did, even with the offensive struggles, and again, winning Lexington against Kentucky, and it doesn't matter who you got, who your quarterback is, you, you play with the best 22 you got available. You, you never apologize. There's no such thing as an ugly win in the SEC. You just take them where you can get them. So 
you know, when you look at this season, even amidst all the struggles and the chaos and the offensive ineptitude, you know, to see them again win at Kentucky, beat Texas A&M, beat Tennessee, beat a Clemson, um, and then finish the way you did. And again, I think it just really goes to show that, and, and I'm, I'm not saying this from like a personal shot, I think it's just reality that, man, Marcus Satterfield, God, they just handcuffed the offense. Just unbelievably handcuffed. I mean, it's just crazy when you think about South Carolina had more offensive success against Tennessee and Clemson than they had against South Carolina State. And yeah. they had against Charlotte. Like, how does that make any sense? It doesn't make any wow. sense. So, <laughs> and, I, and I, I know college football transitive property doesn't apply, but it's, you know, again, I, 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 I think it is, it is pivotal. Beamer get this, this next OC right, and, and because you look at the final two games, the reason they won is because of offense. I mean, bottom line, they were dynamic offensively, they were explosive. So, you know, again, amidst the up and downs, and I, I will say though, guys, I said it over the summer. I said I would kill to go eight and four. I'd sign up right then and there to go eight and four. Um, and sure enough, they hit it. Not exactly the way I thought they would, but they <laughs> hit it. And uh, any year you go eight and four and you beat Clemson, I, I, how can you complain? So, oh, yeah. And you never know with how much Dan Mullen hates Georgia, he might take that job free for the first season. You know, and, and I, and I tell you, and I tell you, it's, it's, it would be crazy if it happened, but. Maybe it's a one-year deal with Rattler, and I mean, you, I, I think you could do a lot worse in regards to play callers and offensive minds. And you know, I know he doesn't really like recruiting or believing it. We don't need him to do that. Just, just call plays. I, I <laughs> all I need you to do is call plays and get in Spencer Rattler's ear. That is literally it. So, yeah. Um, but again, I, I, I will say, if it's let's just say it's not Mullen, I, I just, I think it is a pivotal hire. It is a pivotal hire for Shane Beamer because these first two seasons. Marcus Satterfield sort of served as the scapegoat. Um, but now, you know, if you hire another OC that's a dud, all of a sudden the blame will start to shift. And I'm not obviously promoting that, but it's just natural. Like, people will start to say, hmm, well, maybe Shane Beamer doesn't know what he's doing in regards to hiring offensive play callers. Maybe he's the one handcuffing the the OC, if you will. So I, I just think it's I think it's pivotal they hire a guy that's proven, that, that has a track record, and – is someone that's going to instill instill confidence in this fan base that it's going to work out on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, those, those questions about, you know, the offensive coordinator hires, Georgia heard that going into the 2020 season when mm -hmm. – uh, um, God, I can't even think of his name. The guy from 2019 that ran one of the worst offenses we've ever seen with one of the best defenses we've ever seen. Gosh. After Jim Chaney, he was the offensive coordinator, something Coley, James Coley mm. for Georgia. A lot of people were saying it's Kirby's fault that the offense was so bad. And so, I mean, I yeah. it happens everywhere, even right. when your team's winning. Well, it, just, it goes up the chain of command. I mean, yeah. you even think, like, Will Muschamp didn't just come out of the womb as a as a bad offensive – or, you know, labeled as a, as a destroyer of quarterbacks and offenses – it slowly happened over time when it was like at Florida, the first one, it was like, oh, well, you know, he's got a bad OC. But then it like, it became a pattern, right? And it, when it becomes a pattern, well, then it's like, okay, it's this guy. Like, it, it's obviously the head guy because everybody that works for him sucks. So, I mean, again, that's just, that's that's the trap you don't want to fall into as a head coach. It doesn't matter if it's Beamer, it's Kirby, it's anywhere, right? Like, you you don't want the 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 blame to go up the chain of command. You know what I mean? So, uh, I just, I, again, I, I think this next OC, and it certainly, and I don't think this is going to happen, but certainly you can't afford to hire another Marcus Satterfield where he's he's this unproven East Tennessee State guy that, no, you, you got to go get a guy that, I mean, this is big boy SEC football. It's a win-now league, and yeah. you need to go hire a win-now candidate. Yeah. So, I think we're going to move on to the bowl game. And so, first question. Mm -hmm. If they had put South Carolina in the playoffs, with how they played at the end of the season, how many of the top four teams did they beat? <laughs> uh god i don't even know i i i'll i'll uh i'll give us the nod against tcu that, that's probably <laughs> that's, i don't know i don't know I, I i watched tcu and duggan and I, I mean they you know um i watched that championship game that's really the only bit of tcu football i've seen this year but 
I mean, I think that's the one they'd probably have the best chance to beat. I, I don't know that I would I would give the I certainly would not give the Gamecocks a shot against Georgia. I don't care how good we played. Um, you know, out, outside of that, I, you know, Michigan may be interesting. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about Michigan, the Big Ten thing. Uh, Ohio State pretty good as well. So I, I I'll I'll say TCU. I'm not gonna get too crazy with it though. I, I know we finished up the season well, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not ready to make that leap and say the Gamecocks would have won the college football playoff by any means. So we've kind of already talked about a couple of these questions, but if you want to expand on them, Mm -hmm. what is the excitement level for playing the brand of Notre Dame? Oh, I think it's huge. And this is the bowl game fans wanted. This is the matchup they wanted even more so than anything. I, you know, some of the other projections were like ReliaQuest against Illinois and, and Gamecock fans just they did not want to deal with that. <laughs> I will say, guys, just on a side note for me personally, I've been to two bowl games. And they were both in Charlotte, North Carolina. One of them was the Belt Bowl in 2018 when the Gamecocks got shut out 28-0. to And the other one was last year when you beat UNC in the Mayo Bowl. So I'm just excited. I will be attending my first ever Florida bowl game. Uh, for me personally. So I'm I'm just pumped that it's a Florida bowl game. I didn't really care if it was Tampa, if it was Jacksonville, if it was Orlando, <laughs> whatever. Just happy to get down to sunny Florida. But no, nah, certainly, man. I I think again, when you take on that national brand that is Notre Dame, and you know, it's kind of cool. Maybe we can call it the Lou Holtz Bowl because he coached at both the schools. Uh, but no, nah, it's 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 a cool thing. And, and I think also, guys, here here's the factor you got to remember. It's funny, right? The Orange Bowl. Is two teams that South Carolina beat and literally destroyed their playoff hopes. Yep. The Gator Bowl is two teams that both beat Clemson. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I think that you know we don't need we don't need any any extra motivation to to needle the rival. But if you can beat Notre Dame and do something Clemson could not, oh, it just oh, it'll be even it'll be even extra ammo to dance on the grave for the next 365 or so days. So, uh, but now nah, when you play that brand, man, I mean, it's Notre Dame football, right? It's the gold, it's the, it's the gold helmets. It's the fighting Irish. Like it, it's, it's everything that comes playing against them. Yeah. And, and uh, so if you can get that win over them and even just being, you know, on the same field with them and going toe to toe in Notre Dame, it's just a really, really cool matchup. And also, by the way, first time since the game or since uh, the late eighties, the Gamecocks have been in the Gator bowl. So really a lot, lot of cool history and, uh, you know, just just really excited to get down to Jacksonville, and I know Gamecock Nation is going to show up and show out. And I mean, dude, the the excitement level is is at a fever pitch right now. So I've been to the Gator Bowl. One of the back to back years, Georgia played Nebraska in that game. Mm. Um, and I will say, from my personal experience, don't get too excited about possible sun and warm mm. because it was forty degrees and pouring down rain for the entire game. And Georgia lost twenty-two to nineteen. <laughs> Raining on my parade, literally. No, <laughs> right? yeah, you're, 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 it, it is hit or miss. I think with Florida weather and J- Jacksonville's not like that far down there. It's not like you're in Miami. So, uh, yeah, just fingers crossed for good weather. You know, we'll see. But I'm just happy. Not, say, I'm just happy not to be going back to Charlotte. That was really the main. And I love Charlotte. I lived there for four years. But I was like, dude, I don't, I don't want to do Charlotte again. I, <laughs> I, I want to switch it up. I will say over in Savannah last year on December 30th, I was on a boat going to Hilton Head for lunch because it was 85 degrees. Love so that. maybe you'll get, maybe you'll we get love lucky. that. Yeah, we love that. No, I'm excited, man. I mean, Jacksonville's a cool spot and I've never been to that stadium, obviously. And, uh, you know, it's funny side note that stadium. That's obviously where they play Georgia, Florida. Correct. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. It, that is that is that is. I hope at some point. I don't. I don't know if it ever would. But if the bye week ever aligns, or if I just for some reason say screw it and want to go, I I definitely want to partake in a Georgia Florida game. I would. I would like sure? to experience that. Yeah, I, I, just I heard will it's say. An incredible time. I will say the times that I've been to that stadium as an adult, uh, both for professional and college games. I've been within a hundred yards of a shooting both times. <laughs> your, and that is your review, not your reviews of Jacksonville are not great. It's not rainy, it's, cold, and dangerous. That, yeah. Those are the three things. <laughs> and he hits it on the head. And some some Florida some Florida sorority girl <laughs> broke our cornhole boards, and oh my God. it was this stadium is nice though stadium's fantastic 
Okay. Oh yeah, the stadium is super nice. Yeah. Um, it's just it's one of those things where the stadium was built and then the area around it just deteriorated, like Turner Field. Like okay. it was built. Right. Well, and that it makes was nice. That makes sense. And then yeah. the area yeah. around it just deteriorated pretty bad. That makes sense. Um. So you know, Drew Pine has entered the transfer portal. We don't. I'm assuming that he's not playing the bowl game. But is there anything about what you know of this Notre Dame team that concerns you? You know, and again, guys, I, I haven't taken much of a deep dive. Um, I would assume their running back, Aldrich Esteem, I guess that's how you say his name. I would assume he's playing in the bowl game. So it looks like they, they can run the football pretty well. He's got 11 touchdowns on the ground. I mean, stopping the run for South Carolina is something that concerns you a little bit because that was just such a such a weak spot for the Gamecocks. Um, I'm just taking a look at their statistics because, guys, I'll be totally honest with you, I have not even looked at, you know, 182.8 rushing yards per game. You know, that is something against South Carolina. If they, if they have a weakness on defense, especially 192 yards per game, the Gamecocks allowed on the ground, which, I mean, it's – it's you, you hear that number and, I mean, how you, you go eight and four with a defense that gives up that much yardage on the ground is pretty, pretty uh, remarkable – um, you know, no, I, I think the thing that concerns me more so on the Gamecock side is just consistency. You know, you, you were so hot at, at the end of the year, right? Can, can you can you carry that over after a four-week layoff? Um, I, I think also an intriguing storyline in this one is the special teams of both teams. Obviously, we all know about Beamer Ball, but Notre Dame, one of the best special teams units in the country. So I, I think special teams could play a major role in the ball game. But yeah, I'll, I'll be doing my deep dives on the Irish later on in the month. But uh, you know, certainly they're they're a quality football team. I mean, they've been inconsistent too, right? I mean, you beat Clemson, but you lose to Marshall. I mean, I just you know, and then of course and you, you have barely the barely beat Navy. Right, barely beat Navy, and then you have the questions at the quarterback position, like you mentioned, and who's going to play quarterback. And I mean, dude, there, there's you think about it. Who's going to play quarterback for Notre Dame? Who's going to call plays for South Carolina? We don't know. <laughs> so you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns. It, it's going to be it's going to be somewhat of a tough game to pick. But I mean, I, I think again that that's that's sort of what makes bowl season some of it fun is is uh, just the uncertainty. You never know the upsets and, and all the craziness in between. So, I, I mean, we're all looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I, I think stopping the run for South Carolina and keeping up that consistency on offense, you know, the two big keys I'm looking for, just just early on looking at this game. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's Navy hate week for us on this show. So anytime we have oh, the opportunity okay. to throw a jab at Navy. Yeah, love that. Love that, yeah. So you said you're going to the game. But then I also saw on social media that you were doing something with Carolina Cigars. So, so that, we are partnering. The... Yeah, so that's going to be – we're partnering with them to throw a tailgate at the okay. game. Yeah, so – but we will okay. be there with them, yes. Uh, I was I was a little excited. I thought you were going to be at the location on Hilton Head. I was going to come over and hang out. Well, we will, we will be back with them. I, I would probably say our next event there on location will be probably January or just next time I'll, I'll come down there. I mean, I, I'd love to make it like a monthly thing because we we did our thing uh, back in early November, I guess it was. And, I mean, that was just a blast, dude, just smoking stogies, doing the live show. <laughs> hanging out we're probably going to be playing some golf too as as the weather warms back up but so they're they're going to the game and we're we're just going to be posted up with them lot j right outside of the the stadium there in jacksonville so um yeah we'll be partnered up with those guys with smoking some stogies in the pregame but uh dude yeah the next to go down definitely i'll let you know and y'all definitely come on out I, i've got some buddies actually too that live in savannah as well so i i, I normally link up with them when i'm down there so uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good time if you like cigars, especially. It's it's a great time to just chill, hang out. We talk ball, you know. It's a lot of fun. And depending on the price of tickets and or if Vet Ticks has them, I may try to go to that game, the one in Jacksonville. I mean, it's a two hour drive for me. Yeah. So yeah. anytime I can go to a college football game for cheap yeah. or free, I I take that opportunity. Yeah, I, I would imagine our tickets will probably be a little cheaper than the uh, the Georgia playoff tickets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as, as of right now, the secondary market's going uh, about $600 for nosebleeds. Wow. So, I mean, it is Georgia, Ohio game. State. I mean, that, that's, it is. that's two big brands, right? Like, but, yeah. And that's but, after Ohio State canceled the home and home series a few years ago because they got scared. Yeah. Well, no, nah, that'll be a fun one, man. I'm, I'm excited for the playoff. I, I will say, 
I, I mean, I completely swung a miss on Alabama. I thought they were going to win the SEC. But I will say I did pick Georgia to go undefeated. And people called me crazy in the preseason. I was just like, I mean, who's going to beat them? I mean, I, I just – I still think Georgia's elite. Like, I, I don't I don't see anybody ready to step up to the plate. And and uh, and, I, and I also saw you guys your, – your guy Stetson Bennett got invited to New York. And uh, yes, did. I, I will say, I, I you know, I'm not here to trigger, but it just feels wrong that Hendon Hooker's not going. Yeah. I, I just – I'll just straight up admit, I know he missed a game due to injury, but it just it feels weird. It, with the season he had and that offense had, it's it's it feels somewhat strange. But you know, either way. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. yeah, no, and this is something that I, you know, as soon as it happened, I got a bunch of texts about, and obviously Tennessee fans are going crazy. <laughs> and so while I do agree that it sucks he won't be there because his season up until that South Carolina game was good enough that he should have been invited. He did have two late season opportunities to have his Heisman moment mm. playing in the rain against Georgia. And then that game against South Carolina where he played well, mm. but they were behind almost from the rip and they weren't able to mount that comeback. And even though he got hurt, it was late in the game. So, I mean, like in my opinion, he had two opportunities for a Heisman moment and didn't, wasn't able to take advantage of them on yeah. top of missing better part of a game and a half. Yeah. And, and that's what it's about for sure. So, and I, and I think, Hey, I will say this. I think it's great that a, that a guy like Stetson Bennett's getting the love because I, I, you know, I still don't think he's really respected nationally as much yeah. as he should be for, you know, people will say it's the system or Georgia's got talent, but there's not a guy in the country that probably could run that thing and operate that thing better than uh than sets him in us and, and I thought really what was telling was uh, and I, and I shouldn't as a Gamecock fan shouldn't enjoy listening to Kirby Smart talk football probably as much as I do but I, I thought he I forget whether it was I, you know you know when it was it was I know when it was selection show when they were interviewing him on the selection show after the the playoffs have come out and they were asking Kirby about I, I just believe the offense or whatever and the way he talked about Bennett and just said you know that so much is on the quarterback and that he makes the job easy for the coordinators in his decision-making and yeah. the RPO stuff and, and just the, the checks. And I, I mean, I thought it was, it was really telling like Stetson Bennett is he's like, he's basically the OC. He's the one calling the play. He's the one manning it all. And I mean, that that's, you know, we talk so much about coaching and scheme. And of course, again, the Gamecocks are going through that right now, but it really is players make plays, man. I mean, if you, you know, it's players, go win games coaches typically lose them um and if you got a guy like Stetson Bennett who is a veteran and is really good at what he does and knows how to run the system and uh and again he's pretty pretty damn good football player also I mean it's it's there's no surprise why Georgia's undefeated where they are so and you know when Stetson gets that fade cleaned up there's nobody that can stop that offense <laughs> good point good point <laughs> All right, so we have changed up the guest questions a little bit for your second time coming on the show. Are you ready to answer a couple questions? I, I'm ready. Let's get it. All right, first question. Is Thanksgiving underrated? Mm, I think it's adequately rated. I, I don't I don't <laughs> think I don't think it's underrated. I don't I don't think it's overrated either. I I feel like Thanksgiving is pretty yeah i mean i you know I, I don't feel like people sleep on thanksgiving you know what i mean i and it, I, you know because I, I i wouldn't rate thanksgiving like number one like i'm a christmas guy i love the, the, the christmas season you know versus just thanksgiving's a day i will say i'm, I'm not a a fan of must champs take which is that thanksgiving is a is a meal not a day yeah it's yeah, yeah. you know Be beamer's a believer that it's it's a day right it's a day to be celebrated so um not you know i i I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if that's a funny answer. I would just say it's adequately rated. I think most people love Thanksgiving, appreciate Thanksgiving. I haven't run into many folks that maybe it's just in the South, right? Like we love to eat and we love what Thanksgiving <laughs> provides. And I don't think, uh, I don't think many folks around here are, are, are sleeping on Thanksgiving by any means. So it's, no, I, you know, I, I think, I think Thanksgiving's appreciated for what it is for sure. It's the forgotten holiday. People forget there's a holiday between October and Christmas. Like, well, yeah, I mean, and, and like, I'll be honest with you, I'm not like a huge Halloween guy. Like, it's cool, but like, oh, we are. I mean, I, I, I like, I don't hate it, but like, I'm also not like a, I'm not a huge like scary stuff kind of guy. Like, yeah, I'm not, just, <laughs> I'm not watching horror movies for fun. Uh, so, but uh, you know, I mean, 
I, I like Thanksgiving. I, I love what it provides and watching football and eating food and hanging with yes. family and all the F's of Thanksgiving, if you will. So, yeah, I, I you know, if, if you're and sleeping that, on Thanksgiving, shame on you. I'd say that. <laughs> I, I don't I don't surround myself with people like that. That question comes from my family starts celebrating Christmas in September. Um Whoa. Whoa. Oh yeah, like October October first, my wife had Christmas decorations up. See, that's and, that's a little extreme. And we that's were watching Christmas extreme. movies. I had to put the egg bowl on my phone so my nephew could watch a Christmas movie on Thanksgiving. Nope. Christmas doesn't come out till the day after Thanksgiving in my house. I, I will yeah. say I've seen a lot of people that during the month of November before Thanksgiving, I, like I, I'm not a if you want to put up your Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving after Halloween, fine. But yeah, September, bro, that, that's that's some serial killer vibes right there. No offense to your family. That's that's pretty wild. Oh, oh that's no, like wild. the day after Christmas, there'll be a group text with family that's like 364 days to Christmas. Like it's... some straight up, some straight up elf vibes. Like Yeah. Uh-huh. And as someone who's born a few days after Christmas, you know, the whole one gift, I get the same as everything else. And it's just Sharpie on happy birthday. The, the, yeah. The irony of you saying that, my guy, my birthday is December the 25th. So jeez, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm 29th. Okay. Yep, yeah. I'm, I'm my 29th. Son, my son's is the 21st. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, the pain of getting yeah. the same $20 gift card as everyone else. And it just yeah, sharpied yeah. on happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I will say my parents did a great job of, of, uh, I always got like a special gift and I mean, I never went without, so I'd never complain, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is when you're a kid, like trying to have birthday parties and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, yeah. Oh yeah. No, my birthday party was always in February. Yeah, you get jobbed a little bit. You you get jobbed a little bit. I, I was thinking about starting to celebrate half birthdays. I don't know. Somebody suggested <laughs> that. Because hey, it'd be yeah. summer. It'd be summer, right? Like, yeah. You know, you know, but yeah. But nobody I'm, but I have to but take you, that idea. But but no, especially like as a as a as a man, like I, nobody wants to be that guy that's like putting it like forcing it on their friends, like, hey, you know, my half birthday's coming up. We gotta go celebrate. Like it's like, dude, you're 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 31 years old. Like, get, get over it. Oh no, for me, it would just be calling my friends, saying, "Hey, this weekend we're gonna take the boat out to a sandbar and drink well, all day." Right, right. I mean, that, you know, that you, you you. I don't think you gotta twist anybody's arm to do that, right? Sometimes, maybe it's just me. Maybe people just don't like me, and that's what it is. Hey, I'll, I'll take a boat invite any day of the week. That's 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 hey. a fact. If it's warm the weekend, if it's warm the week of uh, the week that you're going to be coming down to Jacksonville, I'm right off 95. Hey, let's let's go, let's go, <laughs> let's go. All right. So this next question: What is the best or worst Christmas gift you've gotten, yeah. and that you can answer either or both on that one? Well, yeah, I mean, worst. I, I'll start with worst. I like. I'll be honest with you. I I you can't think of. I can't think of a worst, really. I, I mean, I, I mean, who likes getting socks? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's less eventful gifts than others, you know. And I won't put anybody on blast. The best Christmas gift I ever got, you know, one of the best I ever got was when I was in college, and I got this. The, you know, I, I played college baseball. I got a glove. I wanted like a four hundred dollar glove. I mean, believe it or not, they they run that expensive. Um, that was an incredible gift. Um, you know, outside of that, I, I don't know. I'm trying to like think and look around. Like, what <laughs> what do I have that was a gift? Um, I, I mean, I've I've gotten some great gifts. I just I can't really even think. I'd be honest. like, I mean, I, I got a lot of cool stuff when I was a kid. iPod, you know, uh, electronics, all that stuff. Whatever. I got a baseball bat, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've, like I said, man, I'm, I'm plenty blessed. I've gotten plenty of great gifts, and you know, thankfully, not too many bad ones where there's anything like ringing in my head that was just like a terrible gift. But uh, yeah, so. So, are you a New Year's party person, or do you think it's a dumb holiday? So, I do not think it's a dumb holiday, but I will say, my perspective on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day has changed. Um, and I'm not trying to be, some people might think it's corny, but I, whatever, I don't care. But um, I think it's, I think it's a cool thing, right? But I, I really use New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to, 
because again, I, I used to go out, party, whatever, do the typical thing, but I really use it now, man, too, because I, I, you know, you stay so go, 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 go in regards to content and business and staying in the present moment. I, I really, you know, make it a focus to stay in the present moment, attack the task at hand, control what you can control. But, you know, I, I really enjoy using New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to use that time to reflect, look back, look back at the previous year, the successes, what we accomplished, milestones we hit, and then use like New Year's Day and, you know, that three, four day window to, you know, goal set, write down goals, project for the year and, and, and really just take a moment to slow down and stop and appreciate, you know, everything that's happened and that will happen. And so, yeah, I know that's a little bit of a different off the wall answer, if you will. That's, uh, but that, that's for me, that, that holiday has evolved in its meaning. And, um, you know, that I'm not like a person that's like, all right, January one, I'm starting this. Like I'm, if you, if you need the new calendar year to start a, a diet or a goal, like how legitimate is that goal? I guess you could say like, how, is it really going to stick? But uh, again, I just think it's a cool moment to stop and kind of look back and, you know, look back at the goals you wrote down January one of the previous year and, and, uh, you know, look ahead to the, to the upcoming. So, uh, you know, it's my relationship with new year's Eve has changed, but I don't think it's a dumb holiday at all. I think it's a cool thing to celebrate. And, uh, I mean, dude, it's when you got gratitude and perspective, celebrate being alive and going into a new calendar year and, and, uh, all the opportunity that that presents. So what is the best thing that's come out of the last year? Mm, I mean, you know, off the sports side of things, and I won't go into too, too much detail. I mean, I've experienced great growth as a human being. Um, I've had some experiences that, again, that I, even my audience, you know, just life experiences, but even my audience doesn't know about that uh, have, have really have really shaped me for the rest of my entire existence on this earth. Um, you know, and, and, and the way it's positively benefited the relationships I have in life. And I, I know I'm getting really deep with this answer. Now, I, I promise I'll have a lighthearted twist at the end, but no, it's just, just the growth that has shaped the relationships I have in my life and, 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 and business and the way that I attack that and, and my fulfillment in life and perspective and everything else. And just shaping my growth as a human being is, is I, that, that without a doubt, when I look back at 2022, I, that that will be without a doubt my biggest takeaway. And I mean, I've experienced more growth this year than I maybe even thought was possible at the beginning of the year, if you will. Uh, you know, the the best thing though that I'm from the sports side and the business side. Um, I mean, without a doubt, our greatest success has been the merchandise side of the business. I mean, when you look from obviously t-shirts, hats, hoodie, everything we sell, but the towels and and just, you know, I, I tell people all the time that, you know when you're going along the journey, you know, you have goals and certainly things you want to accomplish, but there, there's just things that happen when you, when you're really, when you're really getting after it. Right. And uh, you know, th there's just things that happen that you couldn't even dream of. You couldn't even, you couldn't even project. And like, so for example, like the Beamer ball towels being on ESPN and SEC network and, and just, and like being on TV and you know, the, the merchandise side of the business, I would say, was the biggest success of the year for the for for the business and biggest game changer. And uh, I mean, there's just been so many great memories, though, man. Like I said, I, I'll really sit down that last week of the calendar year and kind of reflect. But um, I mean, God, it's just you know, from from what baseball season provides to the to the to the the, the, the quote unquote lull of the preseason, the off season, you know, making content during that time, and and then of course the 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 craziness of football season. It's it's just been a blast, man. I, I've enjoyed every single day, and um, yeah, it's awesome. So, and speaking of Beamer Ball towels, when we finally meet up in person. I'm going to get you to sign the one that I've got and it's going to go on the wall behind me when I get the office set up. I appreciate that. That's yeah. It's awesome. That's love, man, for sure. And uh, now it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a movement, man. That's how it feels. It's, yeah. it's just, it's just a movement. And again, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I couldn't have like the exposure they've gotten. I've couldn't, I couldn't have done it without the people that rock with us that have made it a point. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, again, I, I made the towels because I was like, hey, you know, towels are a part of USC game day, and it'd be cool yeah. to just offer a towel with something unique on it versus kind of the standard thing they give out on a, you know, on a, on a game in, game out basis. And but but what I didn't expect was, again, it, it it's become like a novelty item. Like it's become like an item. Like you go to a game, you hold up the towel, you take a picture with it. It's 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 just so cool, man. It's 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 really, really cool. And, I, and again, I think it's a product of, 
you know, leading with, I think when you, when you're leading with real true, pure intentions of pushing value and really the end goal is just to provide more value to the end consumer, that type of positive energy and positive karma kind of comes back and, and it, and it turns out even better than you can ever imagine. So I just, you know, I want people to know that I, I really like, you know, yourself and others. I, I just, I, I can't say thank you enough and truly appreciate it. And again, cause it's turned from, you know, it, it's one thing to just sell a towel. It's another to, it's like, it's again, it's become a movement of sorts and it's, it's just a really cool thing to see it kind of grow and, and, and organically just take off the way it has. So, uh, no, I appreciate that, man. I mean, I'd, I'd love to sign it. And, uh, you know, I, I know you guys are dogs fans, but I, I just, it, at minimum, I just can hope and pray that it's beer ball to the moon to the point where if Always. there's going to be a, if there's going <laughs> to be a second team in the sec that gives Georgia hell, it would be South Carolina and nobody else. I I'm sure that you know we we are the less we are the lesser of the evils of the floridas and the tennessees of the world so i'd be i'd be okay with south carolina giving georgia hell i'd be okay with that yeah i mean I, dude i'm i'm planning on probably making the trip to athens next year so i hope it's a good game so oh please get in touch with me when you come to athens yeah 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 cuz we will be there for that 100% yeah. dude i'm i'm trying to dude, i'm telling you i'm i'm to the point now like you know we we we're concluding this season and, uh, you know, love our friends at Carolina Alehouse. Shout out to them. And I, I I think we'll continue to do something in regards to promoting their locations and people that can't make the games. But, dude, I just – to spoil it for you, man, I'm I'm, I'm really I'm really going to push hard to either like a, a fan duel, a DraftKings, you know, no free ads on these airwaves, obviously. But, bro, I think it's about time we get like an RV, we get the T-Sus bus, and we hit the road. <laughs> we, wrap, we wrap that thing whatever, with whatever partner wants to pay for it and – you know, we got we got TSUS on one side, maybe my face on one side. We got Big Cock Club on the other side, and we 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 roll we roll into Athens in the RV. Just dun, dun. like Gamecock Nation's here, baby. Let's go. Just stand, sandstorm blaring through all the. Oh speakers. yeah, we got that. We got that. We got the 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 remote studio in the RV, man. I mean, it'd be a good time. It'd be a good time, and we can do some remote shows and have UGA people just pop in and out. We'll talk ball and. Shoot the shit, and have a good time, man. I, I awesome. you know, that's that's where my head's at right now. I'm, 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 I'm manifesting. I'm dreaming that. So <laughs> hopefully, when I see you boys in Athens, we are. It's like, come on to the, uh, come on to the T Sus bus, man. Let's come kick it. So I will say, piece of local advice from someone that lived there. If that's <laughs> your plan, <laughs> pay for your RV spot in yeah. like April. Fair enough. Yeah. Because there's very few RV spots in Athens, mm. and the ones that are there, if you wait too late, you're paying two, three grand for a day. Wow. High demand. Yeah, I wish that was a joke. High demand. High demand. I respect it. <laughs> All right. So the inverse of that last question is, what is the worst thing to come out of the last year? And campaign ads are an acceptable answer. Jeez. Um, the worst thing to come out of the last year, hard not to say Marcus Satterfield calling plays. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I realistically, I'd say the worst thing that came out of this past year, I mean, I'm a baseball guy, so this baseball season was brutal. <laughs> the 2022 yard cocks were, were pretty brutal to watch finish below 500. I mean, a, a nightmare type of season. So I got to give it to Carolina baseball, which is is not something that would normally be the case. Uh, you know, proud history tradition, and this will be a make or break year for for Mark Kingston in that role. But uh, yeah, that 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 three month that three month period of watching that baseball team, and I'm I'm not trying to take like low blows, low shots at those guys, but that was a season to forget for sure. <laughs> which is weird to say, like you said, that's weird. To oh say yeah, that. yeah, it is. It is weird. But now that that was a. That was a season to forget. Which, speaking of that, I might actually uh, – South Carolina plays at Georgia uh, in baseball in Athens. So, thinking about making that trip as well. Might, might have to come come, uh, come invade the greenhouse out there in right field. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll probably, uh, we'll probably hit you up here in the springtime talk about baseball because I also Dude, yeah. enjoy college baseball – I don't oh, yeah. know near as much as I would like to, as mm -hmm. far as the current teams go, but uh, I love it. I love watching it, and I try to go to a few games every year. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, why we I, started this. We got to learn. Yeah, I, I love it, man. It's it's. I'm I'm such a baseball guy, and obviously, like I said, I played it in college, and 
I just love Carolina baseball, man. So I'm excited for the season. And it's, uh, you know, I people ask me, like, what's my favorite to cover, if you will? And, I mean, there's nothing like football. I mean, it, the way it moves the needle. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I just love it. I love baseball. I'm a baseball guy through and through. And, you know, I, I really get into it. So you guys want to talk some ball, man. We can definitely do it. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here? I, you know, I just appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, best of luck to Georgia in the playoff. And, and uh, you know, I I will say that if I had to give a prediction right now for it, I, I probably think the dogs go go back to back. I, I really do. I just I, – I, I don't trust Ohio State. I, I don't think TCU is all that great. Michigan, Georgia disposed of them already. And, and and Ohio State, I think, is, you know, who knows? I mean, like you said, who have they beaten? You know, like what makes them what makes them so great other than having Ohio State and the word the trademark? So I mean, you know, I I, I think Georgia's the team to beat. And uh, it's 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 really, you know, I'm I'm obviously not a Georgia fan, but I have a lot of respect for what Kirby's built. And I mean, it's just they got a machine going right now, man. So we'll we'll see if it continues. But uh, no, I, seriously, it's always a pleasure to have you uh, to to jump to jump on the show, and uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. And definitely look forward to doing it again soon. I appreciate you. Yeah, and if you decide just on a wild hair to uh, get on the trigger Ohio State fan train, um, it, instead of the T sus bus, it's mm. the quote unquote an train. Because um, we don't say the Ohio State, we say an Ohio State University because mm. they're one of like thirty, and they didn't even have they didn't win their conference <laughs> like Toledo did. Mm. Um, well, I mean, if you want to trigger Ohio State fans, just just remind them that they've never beaten South Carolina. They literally Ooh. are zero and two against us. So they have a losing record against Georgia too. Yeah, so I mean, they they stink against the SEC. All right, we once again want to thank you for coming on, talking to us tonight, and. uh I hope you guys beat Notre Dame. It's always a good time when Notre Dame loses a football game. Absolutely. John West, always a pleasure, guys. All right, later. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Kaylee Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide.